Mighty Ape is Australia's entertainment and pop culture superstore. With everything from movies, music, games, toys, books, hobbies and more, Mighty Ape is your one-stop shop for the things that matter most. They constantly have hot deals and exclusive promos. And if you visit their website on the click-through banner on FakeShep.net's homepage, then your purchase will help support Good Movie Monday. Mighty Ape, Australia's entertainment and pop culture superstore. Good morning. Good morning. It is a good morning whether I want it or not. Please go away. Let me speak for the love of God. Good morning. Hope you're well. If you're listening to this bright and early on your way to work, then I apologise if any of the opinions expressed result in road rage. Uh, if you're tuned in at home, well, then good for you. And uh, that was the smarter thing to do. Wherever you are listening, whatever time it is, you're listening to Good Movie Monday, the weekly podcast presented by FakeShamp.net. My name's Glenn, the guy who hosts it. Playing footsies with me under the desk is Keith, <laughs> who brings a sense of, I guess you'd say, prestige to the show. Yeah, panache. Class. as white of Eve. Well, you can find us on iTunes, Podbean, YouTube, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast from, even Spotify. Yes. Well, we've got our shit sorted and we have got that mob back on track. So we made the grade. But I guess if you're listening to this, you've found us anyway. So re- disregard everything I just said. That's right. <laughs> we have a great show lined up for you over the next hour. Part two of our interview with Jason Lee Howden, the director of Guns Akimbo, is coming up. Jarrett is back in the hot seat for this week's home entertainment update. AFCA chairman Adam Ross will be reviewing mid-90s and Guillermo from Screen Realm will be swinging by with his invaluable movie news and celebrity goss. Keith, my old friend, butter up the popcorn, mate. Mate, I'm ready to roll. Grab two straws for that jumbo drink. (laughs) The cinemas are about to reopen. Yes, they are. This is exciting. That is right. We were here when COVID hit the fan. We were. Sitting right here. Exactly right. So we reported on the closure of all cinemas and now here we are at the arse end of COVID to report on their reopening. Mm. Feels a bit of a journey there. It's been a journey, mate. I feel like we've gone into the belly of the beast <laughs> and we're about to well, come out. Given that we are a Melbourne-based show, this news is regrettably localised and I, I can't speak for any other states with any certainty or that same goes for the states or the UK where quite a lot of you are at the moment. So just bear with us for this one moment. As of June 22nd, cinemas in Victoria will be turning back up the house lights and then dimming them just a little <laughs> bit and welcoming moviegoers back with open arms. This is exciting news. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it is. At this moment, it is limited capacity. So I think it's 50 people per cinema based on a 200 seat sized theatre. Wow. Okay. And then there's a rule of 1.5 metres between people from the same household. Yeah, wow. And four square metre rule for everyone else. So there won't be any intimate dates, people. I'm sorry. No. So I think the capacity there is like 30%. Yeah, okay. Something yeah. along those lines. Yeah. But hey, it's a, it's a start. It's a start. And the thing is, it's mostly going to be the independent cinemas that open first. You're, you know, we're talking Novas and Lido's and mm. places like that. The majors, I think, are holding back until August when that surge of releases comes back. Mm. Yeah. Rushing in, which is... Either way, it's exciting. And of course, you know, over the last several weeks, we've been reporting on the drive-in cinema scene. And we've been really excited about that. Um, well, the drive-in uh, cinema down at Dramana, the three-screen... Uh, complex is anticipating a massive surge. The mm. owner of that um, of that drive-in spoke with the Age last week and talked about how excited they are and said they're going to experiment with you know rerun screenings, classics, even a little bit of Bollywood. Mate, I'm I'm nipping down to Dramana. That's a great little it's driving. Fantastic. It's not even little. It's a huge it's driving. Massive. And I believe as of today, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the Coburg driving is up. He's opening is today. Opening. I wow. think so. Okay. I mean, you might want to go and check before you rock up. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure they are. Uh, in any case, things are starting to return to normal, and it's great to see. Anyway, Keith, I want to know, mate, what have you been watching this week? What have I been watching, mate? Well, I mean, you know me, Glenn. <laughs> Man of taste. <laughs> I, I, I've, I'm going to recommend a film that I've watched, so I probably won't spill the bands on that. Needless to say, it is old. It is worthy of high praise and acclaim and has received us. What have I watched? You know, before you go on, if we create a poster, it's going to have to be Keith Schull's Man of Taste. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I've watched Green Book this week. So, I yeah, I, I on Amazon Prime, skipping, saw Green Book. I thought I'd revisit that. I think I watched it a little while ago, maybe like start of the year, but yeah. watched Green Book again. I, I'm a fan. I, yeah, I, I like it. It's, it's, it's funny. Yeah, I don't get the hate. 
you know, I mean, I get certain scenes maybe people would misinterpret, but uh, I suppose the fried chicken scene comes to mind. Yep. But it's a good time. Yeah, hey, I think it is film. too. Great performances from both of those boys. Sensational movie. Yeah, good. Yeah? Good. What about you? Well, I'm, I'm inspired by our own show. You know, we talk about movies every week and I'm like, damn, I just need to watch it. So I, I actually watched Locke again. Ah, uh, yes. Which I've, I've seen a few times and it just it just continues to impress me. It's yeah. tense. It's a really tense film. I've got to see it again, man. I've only seen it the once. If ever there's a film that actually cries for a sequel, that's that one. Wow, okay. Yeah. yeah. So I watched that. I watched Clockwork Orange. Oh, did you watch Clockwork? I did. Dang, and what son. a pleasure. That that film just amazes me every time I That's watch it. That's an incredible film. It's, yeah, well, I, I watched that recently. Yeah. yeah. Obviously being a fan of Kubrick, mm-hmm. as you've probably picked up by yeah. now. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's an incredible that's an incredible film. Packs a Punch. It's very confusing morally, that film. Is it ever? And no, I believe Kubrick, as he always does, changed the ending yes. of the book. Yes, yeah. Which uh, makes it even more so. Makes it way more confusing. Yeah. It's like, it's amazing that every character in that film is unpalatable bar Alex. It, it, literally every character, no matter how good, you know, from the clergyman, the yeah. politician, everyone, the parents, they're, they're creepy to as To his hell. mates who become the coppers. Yeah, they're creepy. Um, The writer, who is it? Anthony oh. Burgess? No, Patrick McNee, the actor who plays the writer. So oh, he, yes. The, um, so he's the creepiest guy, you know, when he gets taken back to the house. Yeah. It's just terrifying. And it should be like, hey, this is his moment of revenge. But this guy is just, he makes his skin crawl. Yeah. It's very confusing. But what an amazing film. It is a very, very powerful film. One of the most powerful films ever made. I agree. Um, yeah. And I did watch another one, which I'm going to share with you at the end of the yeah. show. Um, anyway, moving along, Jarrett is back from his sabbatical to give us the rundown on everything across home entertainment. So let's see what's hitting the shelves this week. Hey, this is Jarrett and welcome to PE Class. Yes, I'm back after two weeks of exile. Uh, I'm here to atone for my sins. So I can promise you that I'm going to abstain from making obscene jokes. Uh, All I wanted to do was make you laugh, but instead I offended you and I apologize for that. So first up from Shock Entertainment, as part of their Hollywood Gold series, they're releasing an outrageous amount of Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin films to Blu-ray. I'm just going to run through these titles for you. There's Artists and Models, Boeing Boeing, Hollywood or Bust, It's Only Money, My Friend Irma Goes West, The Nutty Professor, The Stooge, Who's Got the Action, Who's Minding the Store, Who Was That Lady? Now they all sound like pornos, but I can assure you they are wholesome comedies for you and the family to enjoy. Porto. 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 Moving on to Umbrella Entertainment, they're releasing Creepshow to Blu-ray. This is the first time Creepshow's been released on Blu-ray in Australia. However, it doesn't have any of the special features that its US and UK cousins do. However, it does retain the incredible illustrated theatrical key art that we all know and love from the theatrical poster as well as the Australian home video release. Another amazing release from Umbrella Entertainment, and this one is actually a worldwide Blu-ray debut from celebrated filmmaker Ted Kotcheff. You know him from First Blood. You know him from Wake and Fright. You know him from the critically lauded Weekend at Bernie's, my favourite. And it stars, my favourite, Gene Hackman, Uncommon Bella, first time to Blu-ray anywhere in the world. No special features, but it does have that incredible illustrated theatrical key art on the slick, so that's amazing. Also out from Umbrella, however only on DVD, is the 1984 Aussie coming of age, comedy drama, fast talking. This is the first time the film's been released on disc anywhere in the world, so it's coming out on DVD here. Then the hilariously macabre Harpoon, which is a fantastic film that I programmed last year for Fangoria Times Monster Fest in Melbourne. That's coming out on DVD from Umbrella as well, so you should definitely check that out. Then there is so many releases coming from Universal Sony Pictures Home Entertainment that I barely have time to cover them. So I'm only really going to focus on three. First up is Fantasy Island, which is a film a lot of people talk shit about, but I've had a good time with. I went in expecting the exact type of movie it was. I mean, the writer-director, Jeff Wadlow, he had just previously done Truth or Dare, which I thought was a lot of fun. Again, a bit of a mindless, fun horror film. And that's what Fantasy Island was. It was just kind of fun. And it, it was funny at times as well. Anyway, the Blu-ray release has two cuts of the film, the theatrical cut as well as the extended cut. I haven't seen the extended cut, but I've heard that it's got some more gore, so I definitely want to check that out. There's also an audio commentary on the extended cut with the director, Jeff Wadlow, as well as pretty much the entire cast of the movie. And there's also deleted scenes on there. 
Moving on, Sonic the Hedgehog, it's coming across all formats. It's coming on DVD, Blu-ray, 4K, Ultra HD. And while Sonic the Hedgehog was that film that everyone thought was going to suck, everyone kind of enjoyed. And arguably, it's better than Double Dragon, the movie. So it's one of those few successful video game transitions to films. Anyway, the Blu-ray and 4K release have a ton of special features that include an audio commentary, five featurettes, deleted scenes, bloopers, and a music video. Uh, the Blu-ray and 4K both have the Dolby Atmos track, which is pretty cool. Then the one I'm most excited about that's being released from Universal Sony Home Entertainment this week is Top Gun. Now, I pre-ordered this title through Universal Sony Pictures Home Entertainment's Kicks.com website, which is their own web store. And this title, whilst it's due for release this Wednesday, they actually shipped it last week and I got it on Friday. So I was able to not only watch the film in 4K with an incredible Dolby Atmos track, and I mean a reference quality Dolby Atmos track, but I was able to deep dive through the special features. Now it ports over all the archival special features you've come to know and love from the Blu-ray and DVD releases, plus has two new documentary slash featurettes on it. There's a five-part documentary called on your six, 36 years of Top Gun. Now that runs at about half an hour and split into five parts. Then there's a bit of a promotional fluff featurette called the legacy of Top Gun. Now that takes you through, you know, obviously the enduring legacy of Top Gun, but also pretty much as a promo tool for Top Gun Maverick, the new film that was due to come out around about now, hence why this 4K is coming out, but has been postponed till later in the year for theatrical release. Um, definitely recommend this release. If you like Top Gun, you will love this release. Also, Paramount have seen fit to release some of the catalogue titles from Tom Cruise's catalogue, including Days of Thunder, which for the very first time ever is going to have special features apart from the trailer. There's the isolated score track and a filmmaker focus featurette with Jerry Bruckheimer talking about his working relationship with Tony Scott on the film, among other things. Then War of the Worlds, and while War of the Worlds has no new special features, it does have a Dolby Atmos track that I'm quite keen to hear. Also out from Universal Sony Pictures Home Entertainment is the rather horrible and completely unnecessary The Boy sequel, Brahms The Boy 2 with Katie Holmes. Now, no doubt curiosity is going to get the better and you'll end up watching it, but I, was, I actually enjoyed The Boy for a real pastiche type movie. I thought it was good fun, whereas Brahms The Boy 2 was... Look up the, the dictionary definition of turd, and there's a picture, the theatrical poster for this movie. Other titles coming out from Universal Sony Pictures Home Entertainment are Bloodshot, that's coming out on 4K, DVD, and Blu-ray, and then Emma, also coming out on Blu-ray and DVD. Other labels releasing other things include Roadshow, they're releasing Motherless Brooklyn to DVD and Blu-ray, The Last Full Measure to DVD and Blu-ray, and The Lodge, just to DVD. Surprise, surprise, Roadshow. Then coming from Disney Fox is Onward. So that's coming out on DVD, Blu-ray, and 4K Ultra HD. Now this is a film that had a theatrical date slated, and they did preview, like paid preview screenings leading up to the release, but then all the cinemas shut, so they couldn't release it theatrically here in Australia. So it ended up being released on Disney+, Plus. I think on April 24th. So now it's coming to physical media. Anyway, uh, coming out from Disney is Call of the Wild. Now, this is one of the Fox films, obviously, and they're only seeing fit to release it on DVD. You heard right. No 4K, no Blu-ray, just DVD. Absolute travesty. However, that said, they're also releasing Downhill to DVD, which to me feels like a film that should have just been released on digital or perhaps buried forever under a hunk of snow somewhere remote where no human will ever have to endure this instantly forgettable American remake. That's it for me for this week. I look forward to you listening to me next week on PE Class. Everyone at Scarefest Television wishes you a happy death day this week as we welcome Rob Mello to the program. Join us live at 9 p.m. Eastern Time Zone at scarefestradio.com or on Facebook and Twitter by following The Scarefest. So also on Scarefest Television this week, I will be looking back at Hounds of Love, which I think is one of the most remarkable Australian films of the last decade. It's incredible. Uh, Scarefest TV streams live every Saturday at 11am Australian Eastern Standard Times and every Friday at 9pm American Eastern Standard Times. And also cheers to Jarrett before that. It's great to have him back. It is. He's, uh, He's 
back on his game, mate. Welcome back to the fold, son. I mean, and, and those movies he reeled off, I mean, this is a really strong slate of releases. It's a heavy, heavy release yes, week. I'm particularly excited for the 4K release of Days of Thunder. You certainly are. Mate, another Randy Quaid gold nugget. <laughs> Randy, come on the show. Oh, <laughs> Randy, please. <laughs> and of course, Creepshow on, on Blu-ray. Can't be more excited about that. One of the best horror anthology movies out there. Stone Cold classic in the horror world, I'd say. Indeed. George Romero. Yes, of course. Stephen King. Yeah, yes, the, the dynamic duo. The Titans. The boys. Well, speaking of the boys, there's a little bit of Indiana Jones chatter over the past week. Yes. Uh, Frank Marshall and director James Mangold both revealing a little bit more about the film. Pretty much to the same extent they've always been revealing, like not so much the story or the plot or anything like that, mm. just that it is happening and that, you know things are moving. But I found particularly interesting, James Mangold spoke with the comic book website, uh, which is comicbook.com. Uh, and discuss the current age of franchises in general and how they've become a commodity. Yes. I want to just read a quote to you. Bear with me for a second. I'll probably get tongue-tied, but I'll, I'll do my best. He said, uh, in the dances that he's had with franchises, serving the same thing again, the same way, it usually produces a longing for the first time you ate it. That mm. kind of doesn't make sense phonetically, but I get what he means. Oh, I think I'm, yeah, I'm getting the vibe. Yeah. <laughs> he continues, meaning that the audience wishes to have what they had the first time. So you have to push something to a new place if you want to get to them, uh, while also remembering the core reasons why everyone gathered in the first place. And then he uses Logan as an example of how he changed the franchise and turned it on his head. Yes. So that implies to me he's going to really do something different, which I think it forecasts maybe a shift in aesthetic, mm. possibly a new sort of theme for the franchise. Yeah. And with Spielberg passing the baton, I think there's every reason to be excited about this one. Yeah. Where would you, in all sincerity, where would you hope or want the Indiana Jones franchise to go with Harrison Ford still in place? Mm. Yeah, look, interesting. Imagine if he films it in black and white. <laughs> uh, look, I would say I I feel like if you're going to do another Indiana Jones film with Harrison, it's going to be a, it's going to be a passing of the baton film, isn't it? I reckon they might attempt to do what they did in the Kingdom of Crystal Skull with him and Shia LaBeouf, but they'll probably try and do that again. I would imagine that they might have deemed that unsuccessful. Yep. So they're going to, oh, we'll just, we'll pretend that didn't happen. We'll it's clean funny, Slater. Very funny you say that because I sort of, in my sort of hopes would be that not his son, Mutt, whatever the no. his name was, but maybe like one of his students. Yes, I think that's a great idea. Just someone that is in his world who wants to be like him is like a budding indie, yes, basically. So I think clearly with his age... He can't be participating in the action like he used to. They need to acknowledge it. Even if Harrison Ford is fit enough to do it, they yeah, probably shouldn't. I agree. And therefore, I think he needs to kind of take that backseat role, possibly like Connery did, or even like if he played the the Marcus Brody figure in that he facilitates a narrative yeah. But this new guy, possibly a student from the university, is the one that maybe even sort of latches onto the concept of this particular story. Here's a treasure I want to find, and Indy comes in and tells me how to do it. No, I think you bang on the money there. I, as we've talked about, by the time this film comes out, Harrison's going to be 80. Um, <laughs> That's as, hilarious. Like, he's going, let's just stop and think about that for a moment. He's going to be 80. He cannot, he's, his bull whip days are behind him. He needs to be like a mentor. So I think there should be a person to take the reins off him. And that person would be the Indiana Jones figure of the film. Yep. So he wouldn't be called Indiana Jones, obviously, but no. he would be the action hero and Harrison would be the mentor yeah. guiding him. Yeah, he, yeah, as you said, he can be the Sean Connery in the sidecar and yes. the new Indy can be riding the bike, I guess. Because if it's, I, for me, if he's 80 and we're expecting this guy to, it'd be like Connery playing Bond. Yeah. I mean, at 80, like. He, like ten years ago, no one would have bought it. Mm. It's it's they're similar figures, like Indiana Jones and the Spilt Porridge. Or something yeah, like that. that's right. <laughs> Indiana Jones in the case of the lost remote. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but um, like yeah, like he's eighty. Like he, he we're not going to buy him as that. So he, there needs to be a more refined. They they kind of hinted at that in Crystal Skull. You know those scenes when they drive through the university on the motorbike and he's on the back, mutts driving. Yeah, that's. The role he needs to assume. Yeah. Anyway, we'll wait and see. But I'm mean, like Mangold. I, I, you know, I, I'm not a fan of comic book films, but I thought Logan was a good watch. He's a good director. I think I'm happy about this. I am too. Where 
What kind of historical event can you imagine this might revolve around? Yeah, I don't know. Let me think now. What about a, what about a Down Under adventure? Oh, that'd be great, wouldn't it? Get him in the outback. It would be. I reckon it'd be fun. Crocodile um, Dundee. Maybe like a classic pirate's treasure on a tropical island or maybe Siberian or Arctic. or There's a lot of areas that they've not explored. I agree. I reckon, so um, the last one came out in 2008. It was set during the 50s, Cold War. Peru. So. Yeah, so you could put it. I mean, you could put him in against the Russians again, couldn't you? Put him in the sixties. You could put him in Nam. <laughs> wow. <laughs> put him in the jungles of Vietnam. That'd be kind of cool. I think aesthetically, that'd be amazing. It would. And it would be edgy. So I'd be up for that. I'm assuming they're going to go sixties, like mid to late sixties. Well, imagine this is something we spoke about in our private lives. Mm. Uh, Kong Skull Island, right? Oh, yeah. Took place in, that was during the Vietnam War. Yeah. That aesthetic would suit the Indiana yeah. Jones world beautifully. See, aesthetically, that looks really well. That's probably one of the reasons why that's actually an enjoyable film. It's yeah. good aesthetically. I think, yeah, something like that would be really exciting. And I know, you know, you might think it's a bit of a Rambo type of situation, but I, it's very unique to that. I think it would be it'd be a winner. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So maybe they'll stick him in Nam. Put him in Washington, yeah. Like that, I didn't even comprehend <laughs> yeah. that. That's hilarious. Yeah. I would love that. Did you have any idea about that? Like about where you'd like him to be? No. I no. mean, I've always thought that Australia was a good way to take the story, but I think that would have been better back in the older mm. timeline. Yeah. 50s, that's fair. 50s is too contemporary. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, Maybe. And, and Bogan. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be a bit, a bit rough, wouldn't yeah. it? <laughs> a bit too wake and fright. And maybe, um, you know, maybe they can. Um, um, get a neo-Nazi group, to, you know, rise up or something. That'd be cool. They'd resurrect Hitler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Indiana Jones takes on Hando. That's right. Um, before we throw to Guillermo, who's coming up with his uh, Scream Realm segment, happy birthday to Total Recall. Oh, yeah. It's turning 30 years old this I week. I what it was going to be. Uh, I told Keith we'd be talking about yeah. something and I didn't let him in on what it no. was. So that's directed by Paul Verhoeven. What do you think of uh, Total Recall? I don't mind it. Oh, it's been years. I, I, I'm not qualified to talk about it in depth. I think it's pretty solid. It's obviously, it's taken from Arnie's reign, isn't it? You know, it when is. he was he was the king. It is a solid slice of 90s. Paul Verhoeven, I, like, was on top of his game back yeah. then. Yeah. I mean, I prefer the remake. I'm teasing. <laughs> I'm glad <laughs> teasing. you clarified. But what, what are you, you'd be more of a fan of Huge. this probably than me. Yeah. The interesting thing about this one, as a lot of fans would know, is that there were two cuts of this film. Okay. And, and as a kid... Back in the VHS days, there was always the M-rated VHS, mm. and beside it was the R-rated VHS. Yeah, and like you always wanted that R-rated yeah, VHS, but your parents wouldn't let you. Yeah, if you're lucky like me, your parents didn't. Yeah, they just, just, <laughs> they just got it for you. That's right. Um, but the interesting thing about the two cuts is that quite a few of the scenes are the same, but shot from different angles. Okay. Like wow. you know, to construe stuff. It's almost like he shot them for video. That's really interesting. So you're getting the same content, but just less explicit. That's really, yeah, that's unusual. Yeah, isn't I it? love it. And just a little bit of trivia for people that might not know, the original directors attached to that before Verhoeven were David Cronenberg and our old mate Albert Pune. Wow. No? Albert, that would have been fascinating. Would have been. Yeah. He, because here's another interesting thing. So people that know Total Recall will know that it introduced us to the woman with three tits. Yes. All right. Very famous scene. But Albert Pune put that woman in another film of his called Radioactive Dreams. Actually, it might have been Vicious Lips, one or the other, mm. where they go through like a futuristic um, nightclub mm -hmm. and there's a woman with three yeah, breasts. So he pioneered the idea. Yeah. Without his due. And then they kept it. Dogs. <laughs> Is this your personal favorite Schwarzenegger film? Oh, that's a tough question. Yeah. No, I mean, I'd have to say stuff like maybe Predator. Predator. Um, origi original Terminator. Kindergarten Cop. <laughs> Not even close, my friend. <laughs> Action for me with this guy. Uh, what's the other one? Um, I do love um, Commando. I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Last Action Hero. That's a good one. Yeah. It's, it's a bit uh, underrated. It is a little bit underrated. Terminator 2. Yeah, man. Terminator 2, I think, is way overrated and everyone... Gives me shit for that. Yeah, so I'm not a... F well, you and I know... I mean, we're tangenting here. I'm. We're both not James Cameron fans, is that fair to say? Yeah. I know I'm certainly not. We, there are a couple that we like, obviously. Yeah, but sure. I think the man is vastly overrated. And I would agree with that uh, Terminator 2 take. Uh, the Terminator is great. I think I share your sentiments from a different angle, though. Yeah, I think we have different reasons as to why. Maybe we'll cover that on another yeah, episode. Yeah, we should. I think we're James Cameron, <laughs> you're a dog, son. <laughs>
What's happening everybody, Guillermo here again from ScreenRealm.com, Australia's favourite entertainment website covering all things movies and television. Hope everyone's doing well out there, let's take a quick look at a little bit of what we've covered on the website in the past week. Hashtag release the Snyder Cut has prevailed, but can hashtag release the Ayer Cut? Yes, following the big announcement that Zack Snyder's long demanded cut of Justice League was officially becoming a reality, many eyes are now moving towards Suicide Squad, which director David Ayer has long expressed his misgivings about. And with Justice League gearing up to have its intended cut release on HBO Max in 2021, David Ayer has now talked about his desire to see his original vision get released as well. The film I made has never been seen, Ayer wrote in a response to a tweet. My cut would be easy to complete, it would be incredibly cathartic for me, it's exhausting getting your ass kicked for a film that got the Edward Scissorhands treatment. While Suicide Squad did well financially, earning $746.8 million worldwide at the box office from an estimated $175 million budget, the audience and critical reception was far from successful. Sticking to the DC Cinematic Universe, it looks like we'll be seeing Henry Cavill don the red cape again. After having played Kal-El, aka Clark Kent, aka Superman, in Man of Steel, Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice and Justice League, it was looking more and more unlikely that Warner's constantly evolving DC Cinematic Universe would bring Cavill back as Superman anytime soon. And with Batman recast following Ben Affleck's exit, it really didn't look good. Well, now comes word that Cavill has entered talks to take on Superman again. It's certainly exciting news for fans of Cavill as a superhero, but it's not yet known in what capacity he'll be reprising the role. Unfortunately, Warner Brothers is not developing a Man of Steel sequel. There's a few possibilities when looking at the lineup of upcoming DC films. You can remove Wonder Woman 1984 and The Suicide Squad from the list since they're both already finished filming, and the Robert Pattinson starring The Batman is not expected to have a Superman appearance, which leaves Shazam 2, Aquaman 2, or Black Adam, the latter of which has Dwayne Johnson poised to star, as the most likely options for Cavill's return as Superman. Stay tuned on that one. Aussie filmmaker Lee Whannell, who recently had a big hit with The Invisible Man, is making a follow-up to his 2018 sci-fi thriller, Upgrade. Now this won't be a film, this is going to be a series. Whannell is set to direct, co-create and executive produce the series, which is to be a collaboration between Blumhouse Television and UCP. The Upgrade series picks up a few years after the events of the film and broadens the universe with an evolved version of STEM and a new host, imagining a world in which the government has repurposed STEM to help curb criminal activity. What could go wrong with that? There's already a writer's room tackling the first season, so expect Blumhouse to be moving on this one fast. Yes, in case you hadn't heard, Tom Cruise is set to star in an action-adventure film that will be shot in outer space. The project has Elon Musk's SpaceX program and NASA involved, the latter of which has confirmed that at least part of the production will be taking place on the International Space Station. And now we know who it is that will be directing the picture, the first narrative feature of its kind. Set to direct is Doug Liman, who directed Tom Cruise in Edge of Tomorrow and American Made. Doug Liman is involved with the project quite thoroughly as he and Cruise came up with the idea together. Liman is to write the first draft of the script and will be producing the film alongside Cruise. As of now, there's still no studio on board, although you can imagine the big ones are keeping a big eye on it as the pieces start coming together. If Cruise isn't already bringing a studio into the fold, expect a bidding war to unfold. This sounds like a big one and certainly sounds like one that James Cameron would have liked to make. Now this one sounds like fun, Game of Thrones actors Peter Dinklage and Jason Momoa have signed up to star in and produce Good Bad and Undead, an action adventure in the works at Legendary. The film will have Dinklage playing Van Helsing, the last in a long line of vampire hunters, and Momoa as a vampire who's decided to never kill again. The two have teamed up for a scam, tricking towns into giving them money, with Helsing pretending to vanquish the vampire and save the day. When a bounty is placed on the vamp's head, all things from monsters to magic are set on their tail. Both Dinklage and Momoa are charismatic as hell and having them bouncing off each other in what is being described as midnight run in a Bram Stoker world sounds like a winner, fingers crossed all goes well with this one. We had a review go up this week for The Lovebirds, a Netflix release rom-com starring Issa Rae and Kumail Ninjani. Hagen Osborne mostly enjoyed the film, calling it a comfy rom-com with sociopolitics and laughs. 3 out of 5 stars. Make sure you go to check out that review. We also had our first video spotlight go up this week. We decided to look at Toni Collette's incredible performance in Hereditary and the fact that it didn't even earn her an Oscar nomination was ridiculous. You can check it out on ScreenRealm.com or go to YouTube and just simply write Toni Collette's amazing performance in Hereditary. Hope you enjoy that. That's it for me guys, thanks so much for listening. Screen Realm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that jazz. Be sure to follow Good Movie Monday on the socials as well. Thanks so much, I'm out.
tracks mate that was neon gray by Ennis Rodoff from the guns akimbo soundtrack we played two of his tracks last week this week we're playing two more i am gonna have to buy this one i think it's insane bangers it is um so of course last week we spitballed a few new zealand films uh you know for you people and well we were taken to task over it mm. on social media now firstly i just want to say just as a reminder to everyone that's listening that these were our favorite movies <laughs> Not yours. That's right. Okay, so secondly, okay, sure, Foot Rot Flats was a gaping omission. That's an animated masterpiece, I've okay. got to say. Yeah. And yeah, okay, sure, uh, Hunt for the Wilder People, that's pretty cool too. Yes. So thanks, Brendan Morrow, for pointing our foibles out yeah. on YouTube. Be Morrow. <laughs> no, that's... <laughs> and of course, The Frighteners, absolute gem. I left that one out. Yeah, you... I'm Actually, now I think about it, I would have thought you would have dropped that one, just given your taste. You would love that. I mean, I can't list every movie ever that's made, right. mate. You that's know? true, mate. I it's think, unreasonable. Yeah, I mean, hell, like, do you want me to reel off some? So, Reign of the Children, River Queen, Dark Horse, Well Rider, Grass Cutter, Black Sheep, Angel at My Table, Death Warmed Up. Are you happy, people? Yeah, I think that'll do it. Okay, so that brings us back to Guns Akimbo, the new banger starring Daniel Radcliffe and Samara Weaving. It's time to take a listen to part two of my interview with director Jason Lee Howden. Enjoy. I imagine that a film like this would be larger than life in your mind. Um, like when you're creating the story. So how how did the final product um, resemble your original idea? Um, well, well, it's interesting. Like, I mean, originally, like I said, um, you know, we were, we were pitching as a short film, um, and this is before Deathgasm. There was, you know, I had the idea. Um, you know, I was working as a VFX artist at Weta here in New Zealand, and I had the idea that I was going to do it in Wigan. Um, 
very low budget. So like um, El Mariachi, like uh, Robert Rodriguez's first film, and just you know a hundred grand or whatever just chip away at it um, over time. So yeah, I guess originally I felt like it was going to be a little bit more. Um, fascinating because I think most people would answer that they had something much bigger in mind with obvious restraints that sort of watered down a few pegs. So the fact that you had a more modest idea that blew up bigger is pretty unique. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, uh, obviously I w- you know, wish we had have had, you know, like any filmmaker, uh, having $40 million and then I would have been able to have you know, as much money as Deadpool or, you know, John Wick or movies like that would be incredible. But, um... Yeah, I mean, at the same time, it's like, you know, as a director, as a filmmaker, you're given a choice. Um, yeah, am I going to make a movie or or not? And, and if the answer is like, yes, I'm going to make this movie no matter what, then you've got to learn to compromise. Um, you know, there's some directors that don't have to. <laughs> but um, for, for us, uh, you know, little guys, we've got to, um, we're basically given um, the jigsaw puzzle pieces and we've got to, you know, our job is to put them together. Um, you know, there was certain things like we couldn't shoot in America because it was a New Zealand German Copro. We had to shoot half in Auckland and half in Munich, which was a you know a big challenge. Um, but you know, you just if you're passionate about something, you've just got to do it. I think the words that come to my mind are bang for buck, mate. I think you've thrown stuff at the screen that looks really Hollywood. And you've given us something that's just bloody awesome. Um, but I just wanted to end on, on one particular question, because I think that Deathgasm and um, Guns Akimbo back-to-back obviously make you a filmmaker to keep an eye on. I mean, this is exciting shit. So do you have a third film lined up? Um, I've, uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've been uh, pitching for a lot lately. Um, so I've been in some pretty, pretty incredible meetings. <laughs> um, oh, that, that feels like a... Yeah, feels like a humble brag. You know, I'm, I'm very pragmatic about um, you know my future. I'm I'm, I'm currently working um, in, in VFX again, and um, you know, like uh, obviously, I'm, there's very few New Zealanders that get to do more than one film. There's very few New Zealanders that get to make one film, and even fewer get to make two. So if I get to make three, I, I, I think I'd be you know count myself as pretty lucky. But um, yeah, I mean, I guess there just has to be. When I'm reading someone else's material, it's always trying to find myself in the material, like trying to find characters that I can relate to. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm writing something at the moment which is pretty exciting, and, and hopefully I can get it out to some producers and um, try and get some actors involved as well. Like it's, uh, yeah, I think I think it's I guess loosely a horror action movie. I mean, I'm, I'm really keen on mixing up with genres. You know, I'd love to do a sci-fi or. Um, I've got a bit of a ninja movie <laughs> sort of uh, bubbling away in my brain as well. But, um, yeah, I guess it just, you know, it has to be something which feels different, which feels, like, fun, um, you know, and and I can you know, feel like there's a part of me in it that, that's, that's really uh, all, all there is um, to it. Well, I hope this one catches people's attention. I think it will, uh, so that that third film is hopefully... Inevitable. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, thank you so much. Well, thanks for taking the time. I hope the beers are still flowing. Yeah, no, uh, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, I hope you have a, have a great weekend. No worries, mate. Catch you later. Cool. Cheers, bye. Extracts of that interview were published in Stack Magazine and a big thank you to Stack for letting us share the full conversation with you and massive thanks to Jason for giving his time and sharing those stories. The first uh, interview part was well received and I'm sure that one will be too. Guns Akimbo is now out on Blu-ray and DVD through Mad Men so go out and buy it. It's a great film, deserves all the love. And interestingly, we're talking about all these New Zealand films over the last couple of weeks. SBS On Demand have just started doing a New Zealand showcase. Yes, they have. So many of these films that we've talked about, there you go. It's great. Are you happy, people? Yeah, exciting. You've got an outlet now. (laughs) Well, anyway, let's throw to Adam, the chairman of the Australian Film Critics Association and the host of Adam's Just Seen, and uh, prepare to jot this one down because it is definitely a must-see. Hi, guys. It is Adam here from Adam's Just Seen with another 
Monday movie recommendation and this week I am telling you to check out Mid-90s, a film that has just dropped onto Netflix. Now this is a directorial debut of Mr. Jonah Hill. Now Jonah doesn't appear in this film, uh, surprisingly enough, and this film actually does kind of buck against his public persona in a sense. This film has much more in common with Larry Clark than it does with Judd Apatow. Now Mid-90s is an obscenely well-observed piece of nostalgia. It is a bong rip of 90s nostalgia, from its hip-hop uh, cuts to its skateboarding aesthetic. Everything about this kind of like just tickled me, and I was like, oh shit, you know, like this is how it really felt. The film is anchored completely by its lead performance here by Sonny Seljic, a real discovery. This kid is so charismatic and charming, and you really invest in him automatically. And basically, you know, he's his story is everyone's story. I mean, this is a kid that doesn't fit in. He doesn't know where he belongs. And skateboarding offers a release from that. He is offered amazing support here by Lucas Hedges, who's almost unrecognisable kind of in his aggression as his older brother. And there is a lot of detail here in Jonah's script of, that is, is kind of just unsaid. There is an undercurrent here of, you know, of abuse, of, you know, of ill feeling between this family. And it really, it gives it a real emotional heft, uh, and I was, I was genuinely moved by it. I, I can't go without saying that the soundtrack to this movie is done by my boy Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross uh, of Nine Inch Nails, probably my favourite recording artist or band of all time. So that, look, but th this is a very sunny soundtrack from him. Obviously, you know, his soundtracks from Girl with a Dragon Tattoo and The Social Network are iconic, but here it's, you know, it's kind of like this sunny Californian uh, take on what he normally does. And so I just thought between the atmosphere of this movie, and it is shot in an, uh, in an abstract kind of ratio, four by three, and so it does, it's really unvarnished, it does feel like a home movie, but it kind of, yeah, it, between the nostalgia, the atmosphere, the soundtrack, it washes over you, and I just was deeply impressed because Jonah has this manic you know kind of temperament as a performer and you would think that this movie would be really fast moving really slick kind of really over the top but it's just yeah this is a real ode to his childhood and any childhood of any kid that felt like he didn't fit in and jumped on a skateboard so highly recommended four stars from me the best question I ever got was I was doing a book signing at actually I think it was Borders which shows how far back this was yeah. And a guy walks up to me and he says, so you're a writer? I said, yeah. He says, have you written anything that I might have read? I said, well, I don't know. What do you like to read? He says, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and he was in a border? I didn't know which was more insane. That he would ask me that question. Yeah. Knowing that the answer is going to be no, because he doesn't read anything. Or that he was in a bookstore. Was, yeah, was there I a mean, coffee it's like shop walking in, It's like walking into a butcher and saying, what can you give me that I would like to eat? You know, and the guy Wait. would say, well, what meat do you like to eat? And he'd say, I'm a vegetarian. What are you doing in a butcher? <laughs> now, wait, was the borders connected to a mall? Um, no, it, 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 okay. it, was at, it was in an outdoor mall. Okay. Uh, okay. That was all I could think of was he was in there to get his scone. So that's something new. That is just a snippet from a recent episode of the Bonehead Weekly podcast from Kentucky in the US. And there they were talking with Peter David, a novelist, screenwriter, and comic book writer behind things like Supergirl, Aquaman, Young Justice, and an endless string of prolificity. Uh, Bonehead is a really cool podcast and vodcast on YouTube. They talk to some really massive players in the entertainment industry. So please make sure you go and check them out. And keep your eyes and ears peeled because they might just be touching down here on Good Movie Monday very soon. Mm. But for now, are you ready to recommend some movies? I am. All right. Well, I reckon you should go first this week. Yeah, look, why not? Um, this contrast is going to be fascinating. I'm playing to type here. People, if you haven't seen... <laughs> this is such a Keith recommendation. I'm going to recommend the David Lean film, The Bridge on the River Quiet. What a man, a, man of taste. Oh, indeed. What a, what a stone-cold classic this is. Made in 1957, starring Sir Alec Guinness himself before he was Obi-Wan, when he was, uh, uh, you know, uh, just a towering presence on the screen. Oscar winning. Yeah, is this not this. the bridge you're looking for? No, indeed. This is... <laughs> Yes, very, very clever. Um, where was it? You've, I've lost my train now. Yeah, Bridge on the River Quiet. What a classic. A World War II POW film. I mean, does this need any introduction? I know, I feel like this is a film 
many of our listeners have definitely heard of. Maybe not all have seen. So I'm putting this out there. This this is like a prescription, people. See it, take it. You will be made well. I do love it when you bring up movies that have sequels. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Return to the Bridge Return of the Bridge, yeah, which I haven't seen. I don't know how they made a sequel because I don't want to give any yeah, spoilers away. But I believe it's only a sequel in title. Yeah, I think I, it's the same story revisited yeah. just from a slightly different perspective. It's because this has one of the all-time great film endings. Amazing. Right, well, Mr. Man of Taste. William Holden's in it. <laughs> what, what a legend. Okay. William, Jack Hawkins. Keith wants to keep going. Do it. I could, could, have I even explained the premise? <laughs> I don't think I even... <laughs> no, do no, it. Just, all right. A bunch of POWs get taken on the Burma Railway uh, in a Japanese POW camp. You know, horrific conditions. The Japanese are, are in full Japanese World War II mode. No disrespect to our cousins, but it was a time of war. And then um, <laughs> the, the commander of the POW camp wants them to build a bridge for them, you know, for the new railway has to be done by a certain date. Otherwise, he's going to have to commit suicide. Alec Guinness is like, no way, son's against the Geneva Code. Massive yep. standoff between the boys in shoe. And then it just kicks off from there. It's got, it's just, some, it's first, the first half of the film is POW. The second half is like a full-blown war adventure film. There's like a mission. Yep. And it's amazing. And you get to get on it. They were the glory days of war films when there was adventure. Yeah, that's it. And it's like, it's a very serious film and you get the pain of war, but there is an element of adventure and excitement and that commando thing, which I love. And yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. And we cinema, get it. Cinema is entertaining. That's mate. right. So be entertained. Watch the Bridge on the Require, a Stone Cold classic. All right. Speaking of Stone Cold classics, I've got one for you. I'm going all the way back to 1971. Dang. This is Keith territory this we're is. talking here. This is... Uh, Director Clint Eastwood's debut, Play Misty for wow. Me. Wow. What a film. Yes. And this is what I watched earlier this week. I think I've seen this a handful of times. Yeah. It is a disturbing film. Yeah, it is. So let me give you a bit of the synopsis if you've never heard of it or never seen it. It's a twisted psychological thriller about a late night disc jockey who becomes the object of a deranged fan's affection. It's essentially the precursor to Fatal Attraction and that whole femme for psycho genre that Absolutely. Sort of dominated the 90s. Uh, look, it is structurally clunky. There's no doubt about it. It's way too long for its own good. But this is like a guy who's making his first film, so you can forgive a lot of that kind of stuff. But the atmosphere yeah. and the horror in this film, yeah. it is scary. Who plays Who plays the chick? I, I forget now. Yeah, I can't remember. She's I, brilliant. I should know that because she has gone on to other things. She's but, great in it. Um, I was just so taken aback. It's probably been, what, 10 years since I've watched it. Mm. Watched it in the right environment this time you know lights off one in the morning yeah and the scenes when she goes psycho it's hitchcock yeah, it's chilling yeah. and it is violent yeah I, I was really taken back by how graphic it is yeah it's it's confronting it's like pretty ballsy debut like topic matter and tonally for him massive mo- probably the biggest movie star of the day yep doing something like that is quite is it's bold it's bold he's great in it like he he avoids that real temptation to go in a misogynistic way like a lot of films could have in those days. Yes, that's a good point. You know, he's not too forceful with her. He's actually, you know, leave me alone. He's restrained. He's respectful. Yeah. Uh, he gets a little bit push and shovey, but like she's branding a freaking knife, yeah. you know, <laughs> like <laughs> at that point. <laughs> anyway, play Misty for me. Absolute corker. Stone cold classic. I pay that. I like that recommendation, Glenn. Oh, wow. I, I'm, I'm impressed by that one. Was that the first? Yeah, I'm, I'll get on board. <laughs> Don't know whether to be insulted or anyway, we're going to give away some stuff. Last week's winner for the giveaways is, she goes by the name of Brunette Avenger on YouTube. I like that name. She's dropped us quite a few comments on our videos. She's sent us a lot of support. We thrive on that stuff. We That's do. exactly what we need to keep this thing going. So we're going to get in touch with you, Brunette Avenger, and we're going to organize your prizes to be sent. And just like that, a winner. So, you know, keep your comments coming. Like and share us on social media. And please remember, if you're on YouTube, click that bell and you'll get all the notifications when new content drops. So we're getting close to the end here. Uh, add in to the ongoing drive-in cinema motif. Fangoria Times Monster Fest are teaming up with Rialto Distribution to present Terror Double Feature at the Yatala Drive-In up in Queensland, of all places. And they're going to be screening The Wretched and It Follows back-to-back on June 6th. So visit Monster Fest's website for all the info there. Oh, we're in the last little bit of the show, mate. We are. And before we go, I want to know, have you got any final words? Yeah. <clears throat> what do you think of Coyote Ugly? <laughs> well, are you serious? Yeah, no, I'm serious. I'm just, I'm looking this at... This is, okay. I'm looking at the title right now. Didn't know you were going to bring that up. No. 
You didn't know I had an answer for you. So my partner, Melissa, it's one of her favorite films. <laughs> she puts this on nearly every night when she goes to bed. I see. It's so a it's a comfort like, film. It's like the film that r- relaxes her into sleep. Yes. But I go to bed at the same time every night. So I come in at the same scene every night. And it's always John Goodman on the bar dancing at the end. <laughs> so I know that scene verbatim. Wow. Yeah. So I look, I don't mind the film. It's a bit of a, it's a, it's a lousy version of Cocktail. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good call. Man, I used to do that with the other submarine. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. You know, films I like don't put me to sleep. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. That's fair. I mean, kind of ugly. I've think I've actually seen it twice. You know, I uh, yeah, I probably wouldn't go there again. But um, all power to whoever loves it. Yeah. Okay. Nothing else. Oh, uh, well, do you know, actually, no. Maybe some news. You know how I'm a fan of Scorsese. Oh, yeah. He's been a recurring. Mo- yeah, indeed. He's been a recurring motif along with a couple of the other lads, Titans. His new film has been given the green light funding from a combination of Paramount Pictures and Apple for the Western uh, Killers of the Flower Moon starring DiCaprio and De Niro. 200 million or 220, I think, in between that ballpark. 200 to 220 million dollar Western blend. Insanity. A a Western. Yes. I I don't know how they're going to make that back. They're obviously just going to stream it. Where does all that money go in a Western? I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming there's no... So, well, we touched upon this before, but obviously the Irishman, because the CGI, obviously that's the budget, massive cast. But this is just a Western. I'm assuming there's no CGI. I mean, well, there will ma- be. There I, must be some. But maybe I'm, not to the level of. I envision that either he's going to go to extreme locations that are costly. I can't imagine that, actually. I think, in my mind, it's going to be a lot of soundstage. Yeah. Uh, like very, very big, elaborate set structures and. That's a lot of money. Man. Maybe he's doing like a, a Dances with Wolves type of epic yeah. western yeah. where it's, it requires, you know, a lot of car, you know, yeah. massive, thousands of buffalo. That's right. Yeah. Maybe that. But I mean, I know that the story of this is it's like a murder mystery. Yeah. So it doesn't seem to fit that bill. I mean, I guess DiCaprio and De Niro are going to set you back a bit. Yeah. But 220 million. So Apple, so they obviously are wanting the next streaming service that wants into the, um, the awards game. Uh, fascinating. Come yeah. on, Marty. We want you to make Marty, son. Cheap. He's like the older he gets, the more bloated the man gets. Like in budgets, <laughs> yeah. he's, uh, he's, I strings. <laughs> he's having a good time. Oh man! Well, yeah. another week and another episode. It's time for us to go. So thanks for being our friends. It's always fun talking to you. To take us out, another awesome track from the Guns Akimbo soundtrack. This one's called Primal Fight. Once again by Ines Rodoff. Uh, take care of yourself. Keith, thank you for joining me. Pleasure. Thanks to the guys for their segments. Have a great week, everyone. We'll meet you here same time next week. Good Movie Monday.
Hey, I'm Miles. Watch it, asshole. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a hero. But instead, I grew up to be a nobody. Another schism. 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 Schism picked random weirdos and made them fight to the death. And the internet loved it. Nick wins. Hey, I'm Nick. I love you. Coming. Uh, I think you have the wrong... Whoa, who are you? Look, this is gonna sound really fucking weird, but can you help me? I have guns bolted to my hands. Yeah, you're right. That does sound pretty fucking weird. You have 24 hours to kill next. I fail, you die. I leave the city, you die. What the fuck is next? It's shooting. Anything to do with this. These guys came to my house last night. They're making me fight. But I have a plan. Come on. You can stop trying to kill me. And kill Schism. You in? Um. No. Here's what we'll do relax and stop running. Mistakes were made. Uh, ah! 10 million viewers, you have made history. I never wanted any of this. <sighs> Fuck! Ah! It's over. It's not over till I say it's over. I wouldn't do that if I was you. You'll just end up blowing your damn face off. Then you'll still be depressed. Even more depressed, probably, because of your fucked up face. Shut sure.